What is up, everyone? Welcome to Sitting with Sean, episode number 27. You know what? You know, Zach, I'm never going to get used to that video just cutting off and then the music stopping. I was like, fade away, fade away. Nope. Dead ass stop. Yeah. 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 But today, today we got a pretty, pretty awesome guest and I'm, I'm, I'm super, super stoked to have him on the show. Zach Ruber or Mick Ruber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, hello. I am I am Mac Ruber, Zach Ruber. Um, I got the I got the name uh, in marching band because everybody in marching band was a huge Saturday Night Live fan, and they McGruber was really big at the time. And they're like, ah, McGruber, McGruber, and I was like, sure. And it just stuck. I just kept it going with that. Um, I'm a TikToker. I am a wrestling fan. I'm a wrestling videographer. I'm a documentary maker. I am a uh, I am a singer and a bassist in a punk fusion band that hasn't really done anything except play one show and like <laughs> and had a couple listens on Bandcamp. We don't even have Spotify because we don't we recorded everything in a basement. So <laughs> we're in everything awesome. in a basement and I was we were all just like, is this good enough for Spotify? Not yet. Let's just get this out there that one. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. You know what, man? There's another reason why I gravitated to you, and I knew there was something about it, and you just hit it. I'm a band nerd too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you play? I played trumpet, and then I played mellophone. Ooh, I played euphonium and trumpet. Sick. Yeah. Sick. Euphonium, yes. baritone, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, I I started out. I I, I played trumpet for a few years, and. My uncle was the band instructor, and he was like, hey, man, I think you would be better fit in the mellophone section. Mm. Try it out. See if you like it. And I tried it out, and I, I loved it, and I stuck with it. I was baritone euphonium for, for a while because whenever I joined band, uh, the band director, I just asked him, I said, what do you need? And he said, I need the baritone. And I was like, cool, I'm your man. So I played baritone for a long time, and then uh, – we had I had a very very small band like mm-hmm. I think the smallest we ever were was like t- under twenty like wow. under twenty people in the band and the the first chair the only trumpet that we had was a senior he was going to graduate and they're like mm-hmm. we need someone to replace him whenever he goes yeah. um, we need we're going to move you to trumpet so I played trumpet after that nice nice yeah I. We, I was, I joined the high school marching band in middle school. I guess that's a thing. Yeah, that was kind of a thing for us too. It was the high school marching band, but you could join at seventh grade. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we did competitions, and I didn't get to go, but uh, they, they went to Disney World, did the whole fucking parade. Never did that. We never did that. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do it, but I couldn't. My dad was like, "I'm not going to fund you to go have fun." And I was like, "Well, that's cool." We didn't. We didn't even get the chance. Everybody else in the county, in the area, got to go mm-hmm. do that at some point. We never got to go do that. We were. I, I don't know if we were just too small or didn't have the funds or whatever. But nah, they didn't do that for us. Mm-hmm. What a shame! What a shame! Um, yeah, and and so I joined the army and I stopped playing music altogether and. I got some concussions, and they were like, hey, man, uh, you're pretty fucked up. Do you want to do music therapy? And I was like, yeah, sure. So uh, I walked in the room. I thought it was going to be sitting around listening to music, like talking about my feelings and shit, mm-hmm. um, which I wasn't comfortable with at the time. But walked in, and my music therapist is like, hey, grab a ukulele. And I was like, uh, what? I don't know how to play string instrument. I don't know how to play string instrument. 
And so I played that for a little bit, and then she was like, hey, what, what instrument do you want to learn? And I said, guitar. Started playing guitar a little bit. And then we have a big jam group that we get together on Tuesdays, and she's like, hey, we need a drummer who's got rhythm. And I was kind of like, she was like, Sean, you, get behind the set. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> mm. But I love it. I absolutely love it. I love playing music. I love yeah. it. Um, I, uh, I was in a... A community murder mystery theater sort of deal. Um, I just volunteered that they were like, hey, it's going to be a live murder mystery deal. You're going to be a Channing Tater at the high school reunion. And uh, you're going to be hanging out with this guy all night. And I was like, cool. And I just started talking to this guy. Um, we just hung out all night because our characters were best friends. So we just hung out all night. And afterwards, he was like, you uh you want to be in a band? And I was like, sure. Um, he was like, cool, what do you play? And I was like, trumpet. He was like, you play guitar? And I was like, I know three chords. And he was like, you know bass guitar? I was like, I know three chords on the normal guitar. He was like, you can play bass. And I was like, okay. He was like, can you sing? And I was like, not well. And he was like, you can. then, then you're going to be the singer. And I'm like, all right. And we went from, we went from trying to be like this, uh, this grunge rock revival sort of deal mm -hmm. and i was like man we cannot write deep songs for shit yeah. uh why don't we just write about bullshit just mm -hmm. random bullshit uh and that went into a punk route so we have songs about eating pizza and playing dungeons and dragons we have songs nice. about about uh, driving on shitty roads we have songs about a 1935 noir film. Um, we have a song about uh, about oversleeping, which was a, a a chronic problem of mine. Was was chronic. I would oversleep constantly, like it was a problem. And that wrote a song about that, just joking about how I just oversleep all the time. <laughs> nice. so, That's awesome. Yeah. Every, every deep song we ever tried writing, I'm just like, I don't really like this. But my guitar is like, no, this one's like really good. I'm like, ah, nah. I'd rather sing about Tony Hawk. Right. <laughs> another right? song we wrote. Tony Hawk. That's awesome. I, I wrote one song, lyrics to one song, and I locked myself in my room and I wrote it. It was super deep, super emotional. We played it one time. We labeled it God of War. And then I said, never bring that back out ever again <laughs> we'll so, perform it once and we're done so it's funny you say that so during the time we were we were um we were writing like trying to write like deep stuff uh we had like this groove going and i started writing about um how disappointed i was in my dad um it was called concrete walls and razor wire uh which was um about it was essentially about this time i went to um getting getting deep pretty quick here uh <laughs> hey why not hey why not uh it was about this time that i went to my uh, i went to prison to try to have a come to jesus moment with my dad um to say like look you're in prison for like the seventh time for substance abuse we w what the fuck like mm -hmm something like, like like fix your shit or i can't be around anymore like that was me in my head going there 
Mm-hmm. And he, I went there and he was essentially just like, look, when I get out, I'm going to do what I want to do. If I get out and I don't want to use, then I'm not going to use when I get out. If I get out and I do want to use, then I'm going to fucking do that. Um, you're old enough. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull you along. It is what it is. And I was like, damn, uh, I figured there would be more life to all of this shit around you. And yeah. he was like, Hey man, it's better than having someone breathing down your neck 24 seven. And I was like, well, if you would keep out of fucking trouble, you wouldn't have right. someone breathing down your neck 24 seven. Yeah. Is, is this not someone breathing down your neck 24 seven when you're locked yeah. inside these walls? And he's like, nah, not really. And I was like, all right. <laughs> it was just, well, that's, so I, so I that's wrote about per- that. That's Sorry. the perfect si- No, no, you're good. That's the perfect cycle of insanity mm. that, that we, that, and I come from a different perspective than you do, but it's the perfect circle of ins- of insanity, is is doing that same thing over and over again and expecting something different, right? Mm-hmm. Like like I'm I'm so for instance like like I'm going into jail because I got my third DUI, it's a felony DUI. I'm not going to be able to drive again, but when I get out, I might be able to drink because, and I don't have a felony DUI, but mm-hmm. um, but like like. I get out and I might be able to drink uh, because it's going to be a different situation. It's going to be a different place where I'm at in my life, right? Like I'm in a little bit more clear head, but it's at first it becomes that substance and then it becomes the mindset. And that's a circle of insanity where something has to break that circle. And until it's broken, unfortunately, they're going to stay exactly where they are. And that's what, that was kind of like the one thing. And I think I, I always consider my dad a unique case because i've been in my i have been surrounded by addicts my entire life just bad luck i've just yeah. been surrounded by addicts um yeah. and i have come across um at least two different types if not three different addicts though like there are three addicts in my mind mm-hmm. so you have the addict who knows he's fucking up and he knows that he he wants to stop, but he just can't. Something in him cannot break that. Um, I had uh, I ran into someone I knew in Walmart one time. Uh, him, him and his wife, both addicts, both crippling, crippling addicts. Yeah. And I ran into his wife first. I didn't know he was there. Uh, I ran into his wife first, and she was talking about how, um, yeah, because uh, they they both just got out of rehab. She was like, yeah, I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he's mad at me because because uh, I was fucking his friend. I was like, weren't you just in rehab? And she was like, she was like yeah, I just, you know, it's my pills. That's my DOC, my drug of choice. And I was yeah. like, I didn't even know that was a thing. And yeah. she, she, was like, she was like, I need, I needed that. I needed that. And, you know, uh, I had to do what I had to do. And I was like. God damn. So there's a, there's a one that's fucking up and they don't know that they're fucking up. Um, they like, it's just like, that's life. Um, and I was like, I was like, do you ever think about not doing that? And shoot. And she was just like, whatever. Um, kind of blew me off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll see you around. I walk, uh, walk a little bit further. Um, and I run into this guy and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? He's like, I can't fucking do this anymore, man. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, I can't be with this person 
anymore. Like they're they're ruining my life. And I'm like, then get the fuck out. Like get out. And he was yeah. he was like, I, but but I love her, man. And I was like, I was like, do you do you love her or or is this like this weird cycle that you're in? He was like he's like I don't know. I I can't leave though. I want to leave, but I can't. I don't want to do this anymore. And I was just so like. I don't know because I've never I've never had a substance addiction before, uh, yeah. to the point where I like to be in that mindset, and I'm thinking to myself, just you you got to lock yourself up like you have like you you have to go home, lock yourself in your house for like two weeks to a month, and just not come out and not speak to anybody, not do anything, and he was like, I could. You know, you, you're probably right, but I could probably go over to my buddy's house. And I was like, I was like, is your buddy doing heroin? And he was like, yeah, he's got heroin in the house. So I was like, then you can't go over there. And he was like, no, he won't have it around. He won't have it out if, if he knows that I, I can't have it out. And I was like, like the fact that you know it's there, that's going to be tempting to you. Yeah. Like, you can't. And he, he just just such a mess. Like, he knew that everything was wrong. And he just couldn't do anything about it. And... Then you have my dad, who is just like, look, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. And, hey, if I want to go out and I want to go get high, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go get high. If I don't want to go out and go get high, then I'm not going to go out and go get high. It is what it is. Uh, and I'm just, it's just... Those are the three types of addicts I've come across in my life. That and... Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty fitting, uh, and I, I've I've seen another group of classification is the people that want that just don't know how to get it, right? So so the people that are too afraid to say that there is something wrong, they know there's something wrong, and they want the help, but they say it in in the most subtle ways, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and then when it gets to that point where everything whether they've lost everything or or they're or they're on their deathbed, or they're on jail for for a very serious offense at that point, then that's when they're like, okay, something needs to change because what I've been doing isn't right. And that's kind of where I fit in, man. Like, I knew that I had a problem, and I knew that my problems were just continuously cascading upon themselves, making it worse. And uh, I got to that point where I was like, yeah, I need some serious fucking help. And um, if I don't, I'm either, I'm either staying, I'm going to be back in jail, or I'm going to die as one of the two. I can't have both. I mean, yeah, and that's like, I mean, that's a good thing to come to. I, I've always heard that no one ever truly gets help till they hit rock bottom. And I've, I've never really had a true conversation with someone that was at that point before. I've, because anyone that's ever truly been to that point, I just don't talk about it. Because um, the only time I ever really see my dad is at family functions. And the last thing they want is for me to bring up prison or, or dark times. And I'm, I don't, I don't know if my dad likes talking. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't like talking about it, but I don't know if he minds talking about it or not. But we constantly joke about um, when it's his birthday, we all turn the lights off. Uh, it was he doesn't really do it anymore. But whenever he got out of prison, uh, it would be his birthday, and we turn all the lights off and bring the bring the cake out with the candles. As soon as he blow out the candles, he'd be like, "All right, I'll turn these fucking lights on. I don't want to feel like I'm in uh, solitary." And I was. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so like my dad never had really a problem talking about prison, but it's anytime that I tried ever bringing up his his substance use, he would just 
it was never really a good time, and yeah. the only time I ever truly did it was whenever I went to prison to talk to him, and I just kind of put it in his face, and he just kind of put it back in mine. I was, yeah, I thought it would be jarring to him for me to be like, "Look, I'm here to to make an ultimatum," and he was like, "Well, doesn't matter." And that was, yeah, I've had I've had ultimatums thrown at me all the time when I was in my active addiction. So like my. Uh, some of my ex-wives or people that I was dating at the time said, if you don't quit drinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. And I was like, I'm not going to drink anymore. But I wasn't in AA. I wasn't like in a rehab. I was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to be sober, but I'm not going to do anything for myself. I wasn't in counseling or any of that. So ultimately when they left, I had nobody to be sober for. I didn't really want to be sober. I, was, I just didn't want to feel the pain of like losing that person. Yeah. And and, and that was rough. Um but this time you were you're talking about you know your dad jokes about things like I can joke about you know some things now that and even my wife you know uh, she can joke about the things that happen you know we joke around and 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 we'll be like hey if you don't stop it's gonna be like December and 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 so so like she'll say that shit to me and I'm like I'm like you know what all right okay. All right, fair enough. Or, or they're like, "Hey, did you drop the soap?" And I'm like, "No, I, I didn't. I didn't have the opportunity to." <laughs> you know, shit like that. Shit like that. I did ask you my know? when I was when I was younger. The first time I ever uh, went to prison to see my dad. I always went to county to see my dad whenever I was younger. But first time I ever went to prison to see my dad, I asked him about that. I was like, "Is there actual like rapes in in the showers?" He was like, "He was like not fucking here. At least no one tries it with me." And I was yeah. like, "Well." You're like six four and like almost three hundred pounds, so I don't think anyone's gonna be trying it with you. Fuck no, no. Yeah. But let but before we get into the heavy stuff, I mean, mm-hmm. we kind of dipped our toes into it. Yeah, I see, I see. Uh, Joe and Finn, a poster yeah. for Takeover. No, no. So no? actually, this is actually super cool. Um, the, it was a 2017, 2016, 2017 tour uh, that NXT was doing with house shows. And every, I guess every show, um, they had a unique card mm-hmm. that they would um, that they would put up and make like an old school event poster for it. So uh, it's the Evansville Encounter because it was in Evansville, Indiana. And it, the main event was a tag match between Elias Sampson and Ooh. Samoa Joe versus uh, Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, so, yeah. So, there was that. Um, there was Bailey versus Daria Baronado, who is now Sonya Deville. Mm-hmm. Um, which, that was my first time ever seeing Sonya Deville, which was really cool because it was before the influx in MMA gimmicks in WWE. Yeah. So I thought that was really, really cool to have, like, an MMA gimmick. Um, Then there was Angelo Dawkins before the Street Profits versus uh, Andrade Cien Almas uh, before he debuted. Uh, So there was that. Um, There was – I don't have my glasses on, so I'm just going off of memory here. Uh, There was – this didn't go very long, uh, as well as it should have, but uh, it was The Revival versus American Alpha. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I didn't appreciate Ooh. that at the time. I, feel, I wish I could go back and just, like, watch it. Um, there was no... You weren't allowed to film anything at the show. Oh. They were really sticklered about that. Like, I went on Snapchat and was filming... It was Carmella versus Peyton Royce. I was just filming Carmella. 
uh, on Snapchat just to be like, oh, I'm here. And like some guy like started yelling at me. Um, wow. There was uh, Tito Sanabatelli uh, versus No Way Jose. And um, and Ty Dillinger versus uh, Murphy or Buddy Murphy. So, mm. so that was a bunch, the card. A Not bunch a lot of, of names. There. No, a bunch of names that aren't there, and and a bunch of names that could have been bigger than they were. Yeah. So, and just look at, look now, like the revival. It's crazy. God fucking damn, they are on fire. Yeah, and I, I never gave them the time of the day, and I still kind of don't. Um, I need to more. Uh, I've just never been a huge tag team guy. Like, the only tag team matches that ever truly interested me were, like, the early 2000s, late 90s uh, ladder match scene. So if you gave me if you gave me the Hardys versus uh, Edge and Christian, yeah, that's cool. Uh, put them in a ladder match, though. I'm definitely watching that. Uh, same with the Dudleys. Yeah. Same with... Uh, any sort of combination of that. That was my idea of a fun tag team thing. But you, my buddy always gives me shit for this. Uh, I have never seen DIY versus uh, versus the Revival. I've never Ooh. seen those matches. And he's like, they are literally some of the greatest matches WWE has ever put on. And I'm like, yeah, it's a tag match. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think a, a tag match you would enjoy is DIY versus Authors of Pain in a ladder match. That was I hear that one's really brutal. good, too. It was pretty fucking brutal. <laughs> it was pretty goddamn brutal. I think, I I could be wrong, but I think that's the night that Champa turned on on uh, Gargano. I think it is. Like, I, th- I think it is because I'm trying to remember because um, it was before my buddy moved uh, moved away for college. Um, me and uh, me, my girlfriend, and him would hang out like nightly. It was just a nightly hangout deal, mm-hmm. and. She Angel Angel likes wrestling. Um, mm. She's not a diehard by any means. She didn't want to go to that show. Uh, <laughs> she, I was like Angel, Shinsuke Nakamura is gonna be there, and she was like, I I don't know who that is, and I don't care. And I'm like, Oh no, but Shinsuke Nakamura. She yeah. was like, I don't care. And I was like, mm. The fuck? Uh, she didn't care about Shinsuke Nakamura until he came out. The second he came out, she was like, Where can I get? Where can I get a shirt? No, it's like, well, there's all shirts right up front. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was, I felt like, like really cool in the moment. I was like, yeah, mm. I, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I had a weird full circle event happen with me. Um, so met my wife and, and I told her, I was like, Hey, uh, when we were dating, like the first thing I was like, Hey, uh, weird taboo thing but i'm a wrestling fan you just can't come out right and say no you can't just i love professional wrestling you know so i said if that's a problem like let me know uh i'm not gonna stop watching wrestling but just let me know and she was like well uh i'll give it a chance and and i swear to god it's like clockwork every single time somebody says i'll give it a chance they say show me the most fucked up thing that you can find And I was like, okay, well, what do you want? Like, and she was like, the most famous fucked up thing, you know, because I could have showed her CZW, yeah, I could, yeah, any of that, and, and and so I showed her all of Mick Foley's matches, literally all of Mick Foley's matches, uh, you know, Hell in a Cell with him and Triple H and Undertaker, um, you know, him and Vader, and, and just like him and Triple H and and, and the hardcore matches, and a few months later. 
WrestlePro from New Jersey comes up to Alaska, and guess who's their headliner? Hmm. Fucking Mick Foley. Yeah. And so my wife became a, a fan because she watched all these matches with him in it. And I was like, I was like, hey, man, like, I just want to let you know you created a fan of my wife. And this dude, I, I swear to God, Mick Foley's like the nicest dude I've ever met in my life. He calls my wife forward, and he's like, hey, do you see? And he's like, I want to show you some of my injuries. And I was like, wait, wait, what? And he literally just starts like going down the list. He's like, you, you see my teeth missing. You know, you see my ear missing. I got these. The and it was the coolest experience I've ever, ever had. And and he signed an autograph and 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 took a picture with us uh, as a wedding gift oh, because nice. we're getting married. We're getting married the next month. Hmm. And nicest human being. But it's crazy how things happen full circle like that. Sometimes. Have I? Have you ever heard my Mick Foley stories? I've told them on my TikTok before. Yeah, so, I've heard some of them. Okay, so I've I have two Mick Foley stories. Mm. I have the first time I ever met him, and the second time I ever met him. Uh, mm. First time I ever met him. So I don't try to dox myself, but I've I've made it pretty clear where I live. Um, yeah. I just don't want people to find exactly where I live. Yeah. Uh, but I live about thirty minutes away from a little town in Indiana called Santa Claus. It's called Santa Claus, mm. Indiana. Uh, so let's say, for example, your kid uh, writes to Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. More than likely, that letter is being sent to Santa Claus, Indiana. Uh, and they have someone there year-round that takes the letters, opens them up, and, uh, and writes back as Santa. Uh, nice. That's like a job for people there. And... Uh, Mick, Mick, big uh, big Christmas fan, comes to Santa mm. Claus like at least yearly. Like he's a born Hoosier, and mm. there's Santa Claus, Indiana. He's he's always going to be there. Yeah. So he first time he goes there, he goes there for like one of his shows. Like he's having like a comedy show down the road. Uh, we don't go to that because my girlfriend's brother is a huge wrestling fan as well, and uh, he was it was like eighteen and over at the time, and he was like fifteen, so we couldn't go. And but we could go to the meet and greet. And he he goes. Uh, we we all like get our stuff signed and whatever. Um, I'm wearing a Bullet Club shirt because I'm a huge Bullet Club mark at the time. Like Bullet Club's yeah. huge. And Mick looks at my at my Bullet Club shirt and he goes, "That Kenny Omega, I think he's gonna be something." And <laughs> sure enough. And I was like, I was, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but the really really cool thing is my girlfriend had a scrapbook that she never finished. But in it, she printed out a bunch of, like, all of Mick's personas. So she had Mick, Cactus, Dude Love, Mankind, and Santa Claus all, like, plastered in. And she gives him the book to sign, and he just stares at it, like. And then my girlfriend has really bad social anxiety. She rarely talks in public. And she's, like, like inside, like, screaming, like, what, what did I do wrong? Like, what's going on? And he goes, that's me. That's me, that's me, and that's me. And then he points at Santa Claus and he goes, why do you have a random picture of Santa Claus in here? And <laughs> of, like she doesn't know what to say. She's just like, uh, uh, and he just goes, I got to keep it real for the kids. And like points over <laughs> to like, uh, like these two kids that are like next, that are next in line. And he just goes, shh, and just signs. <laughs> so that, sends her a full full fledged panic attack to keep character. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah it was that one was really fun and then uh and then there was a time that i met him and did a personal interview with him which nice. was really really cool um which i didn't think was going to happen so i was working as a news reporter at the time uh and he was coming to santa claus because he just put out his uh mem- his latest memoir where he talked about the transition from being a wrestler to going to being uh, Santa Claus. And he was there at the post office signing letters to kids as Santa. And I I requested, because I had connections to uh, the Santa Claus Hall of Fame and stuff. And I said, hey, is there any way I can get a one-on-one interview with Mick? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) And the moon. And I go and he's signing all these letters. I'm just getting B roll at the time. There's like other news reporters in there. And they're all like, All right, we got what we need. They all start walking out and I'm like, Is now the time? Do I mm-hmm. like I'm the only one who got a, a personal interview with Mick Foley. Uh so I like got to sit down, put the camera on him and ask him about everything. And he was talking about how much it meant to be Santa for for kids, and to and to be that. Uh, and he he told a story about how he went to a family's house, dressed up as Santa, uh, and the kids were just so excited. And I mean, because they didn't know it was Mick Foley, they just saw Santa. Yeah. And he talked about how. He got the same kind of like rush and goosebumps that he got whenever walking out into Madison Square Garden. It was like it he said it was like like one of the most invigorating things he's ever done. And that one that was super cool to to hear. And like it was like uh, like I started getting like welled up. I was like, like, God damn, Miss Foley's gonna have to make me cry here. <laughs> Who's but cutting what, onions? Uh but what prompted that was I said, I asked him, I said, how does it feel to play Santa Claus? And he goes, young man, I don't play Santa Claus. I am Santa Claus. And I, I just go, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. No worries. So sorry. And uh, then there's a meet and greet afterwards because Mick Foley's in town and he does a Q&A. And uh, he is right when he's like starting up his, his, uh, his like speech and everything. He looks at me and he goes, he's, I start hearing him go like, where is he? Where is he? Like full mankind cactus voice. And I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? And he looked, I'm in a balcony because I'm getting an overhead shot of him Mm -hmm. like talking to people. And he goes, you listen to me. I don't play Santa Claus. I am Santa Claus. And I was like, oh, man. I I had to like sit there like. Mick Foley just got a fucking promo on me. <laughs> he had a shit promo on you. Like I was like, I was like, I was like, like, am I like, like I got like worked up. I was like, am I in trouble? Oh god, what's going on? <laughs> like I was gonna have him. I bought his book. I was gonna have him sign it afterwards. What's this gonna be like? <laughs> line dies down after everything. Everyone gets their shit signed. I was, I'm last in line, on purpose, not to. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, like I'm first, so uh, I wait until to the end of the line, and he uh, he looks at me. And he goes, "Did you like that?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. Like, Big Foley got a promo on me. 
<laughs> you scared the dog shit out of me, man. Yeah, damn, man. I thought it. Oh. Yeah, he was super, super nice guy. Super duper nice guy. Yeah, he's one of the one of the nicest people, like celebrity wise, I've ever met. Yeah. Uh, Punk, Punk was one of the other ones, which throws me off about what's happening now. I have been told so many things. So I've never met Punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Punk is my number two guy. Um, might be number three or four now with with the past two years going on. Because for some reason, like he just fell off for me. I don't I don't care about Punk as much as I thought I would. Like yeah. I told myself, like oh, if Punk ever came back to wrestling, I'd cry. I'd cry right there. And like he came back. Maybe it was because. They um they like pretty well made it the worst kept secret in wrestling. Yeah. But I uh, he came back and I was on vacation and I was just like, yep, all right. I was like, like oh, like, oh yeah, look at that, he's back. Uh, cool. And and like I think I have seen one pay per view match uh, since he came back and that was his match with Darby. Yeah. Like everything else, like I I've not had a. Uh, I've never had a, a a feeling to go watch his, his his stuff, even his shit with MJF, which was super duper cool and super duper hot. Um, didn't I didn't have any, uh, any anything to do with it? You weren't you weren't really missing anything, to be honest. Yeah. So um, I watched the entrance because I was like, oh, cool, he came out to AFI, but that's all yeah. I watch. Uh, but he, uh, I've heard people say really good things about him that have met him personally, have known him personally, and I have met people who have said really, really bad things about him, who have met him and worked with him personally. And I'm yeah. just like, all right, well, you know, yeah, not all, not all heroes, not all people can wear capes. Yeah, you know, I, I met him in 2011 uh, at tribute to the troops at Fort Bragg, and um, I was put on a detail to like pretty much be a chauffeur for everybody coming down you know mm-hmm. down to the event and i'm standing there and i had my back to where everybody else was at and i was talking to some of the people that were there that uh with me and this guy's like hey man don't look now but punk is right behind you and he knew like i was a massive punk fan like mm-hmm. i was just like don't don't play don't play with my emotions, man. Because he was like one of the only people aside from like Stephanie and Triple H that had didn't come over and talk to us. Like even Vince came over, oh, and man. yeah, yeah, him, John Lord and I, John Lord and I, just like Vince come over. He's like, oh, I'm Vince McMahon. I was like, I know who the fuck you are, dude. Like, <laughs> come on. But uh, I had my back turned, and, he, and and I was like, man, don't play with my emotions like that. And he was like, dead serious. He's like ten feet behind you, and I turned around. We weren't supposed to yell at them. Or, like, engage them outside of, like, what we were doing. Mm-hmm. I lost it. I was like, punk! And, like, <laughs> like, 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 voice cracked and everything. And, dude, he turned around and he was like, hey, man, what's up? And beeline to us. And, like, hung out with us for an hour, bullshitted with us. He's like, hey, do you got your phone on you? I was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, man, let's take a picture. And so we took a picture and, like, that was my Facebook profile for about three years. Like, that picture was my Facebook profile picture. I didn't give a damn that I had a kid. I didn't give a damn. None yeah, of that. It doesn't matter. It's punk. It's punk. It's punk. And, like, so, so you know, I I, I I was just all about punk. And then when he came back, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But his matches, I mean, he's got ring rust. He's older now. He's not the same dude. He's trying yeah. to still be edgy that like he used to be, but it's not working. Yeah. You got and... different fan, different fan base now. For sure, for sure. And I think it, like, I think 
part of it is the quote-unquote smarter um, fan base. Before I go into that, though, I have to ask, how is Vince McMahon's handshake? It, it it wasn't like it wasn't as firm as I thought it would be. Cool. Have you ever worked what? independent wrestling at all? No. No. Okay. The craziest fucking thing I have ever learned with indie wrestling. There's a handshake, and then there's a wrestler handshake. Mm. Um, I'm gonna put this down here. Can you hear me still? Yeah. Yeah, I got okay. you. Say this is a hand, or yeah. like let's okay. So you go in for a handshake. Yeah. It is. Hey, brother, how's it going? Mm-hmm. That like that like there's no like there's there's no like grasp by like good to meet you. It yeah. is a how's it going? Like it is just like a like you just wrap your arms around the fingers, not even a squeeze. Just like a just you wrap your arms around the fingers and you just like. And I was like, I was like, why is that? Because I shook somebody's hand one day. Because you know, you're always taught whenever you're younger, yeah. to like, like firm handshake, firm, like, like don't crush yeah. somebody's hand, but firm handshake. And I went in for a firm handshake one time, and this guy started yelling at me because he was like, "What the fuck was that? What was that? <laughs> Holy shit, dude!" Like, and he just stormed off. Like he, like there was no like, like listen, we don't do that around here. He just fucking stormed off. Wow. Uh, I was like, "What did I do wrong?" He was like, "He was like, they were just like." firm gripped it like that's you know, like, like it's, it's just a light little grip and i was like, like huh so i always wondered i was like vince is a businessman but he's also a wrestler like like he's in wrestling so like is like when you meet vince mcmahon is he like how's it going or is he yeah. like hey. uh so. it, it, you know he didn't squeeze but he kind of like put it out there I'm a person I, I, I grab and clinch, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and it's not like to instill dominance. It was at one point. I don't think that it was at that point. But, like, you know, it's just that firm handshake. You Like you said, you're taught to, you know, firm handshake. And, and I did that, and I was like, his fingers are rolling, or his knuckles are rolling. And I'm like, okay, well, hey, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's always been like like my curiosity with with Vince McMahon. Like, I would love to spend a whole day with him. Just yeah. be like, what do you like? Like, like, <laughs> like, like, what do you eat? <laughs> like, 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 who looks at a steak burrito and goes, ketchup? I'm gonna have ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 who looks, like. I don't know. Like, have you just been so disconnected from like the normal reality that you're like, yeah, ketchup always goes with the steak burrito. What, what are you talking about? Do you drink water normally? Do you sip it or do you just crush it? I gotta know. <laughs> oh man. No, but, but it, it was weird. He was like really antisocial. Like, I could definitely. And John Cena, John Cena was the same way, and I thought that it was like just a, like he was piece of shit and didn't want to come and hang out with us. He was like, really? I guess he suffers from like, like, um, like anxiety, like real bad anxiety. Because <coughs> um, he sat on his bus, and this was like right before him and Nikki Bella were like a thing. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting on his bus, right in front of where we were, like literally from from me to like ten feet away was his bus. And he was sitting there, and you can see him on the, you know, in front of it, just sitting there looking at us, going back and forth. I was like, are you gonna come out and talk to us, dude? Like what the fuck? Mm. And he came out. He's like, "Hi." 
shook our hand and walked away, and I was like, well, that's weird. Hmm. I think it's like, I don't know. I, I think about that with like celebrities sometimes because the comedian Daniel Tosh, um, I don't know if you know this about Daniel Tosh, horrible anxiety. Horrible. Like the Dan, the Tosh.0 Daniel Tosh, the uh, stand-up comedian Daniel Tosh is a character. Yeah. Like the, there is Daniel Tosh and then there's the character comedian Daniel Tosh. And for him to do that, he has to get in a mindset because if you just see him on the street, you're like Daniel Tosh, you're gonna catch him off guard, and he's gonna be like, oh, Daniel Tosh. like yeah, he's not gonna <laughs> want to talk to you. Yeah. It's so I think about that like a lot of times, especially with these huge, huge celebrities that one are just so disconnected from reality in general. Like, yeah. there's if I brought Britney Spears to my house and was like, this is my house. I think she would just like be so confused, just so just utterly, utterly confused. Like, why do you have blankets sitting on a wooden chest? I don't fucking (laughs) because they don't fit in there. Where's your bidet? Like, "Hmm? what? (laughs) No, here's the thing. I'm going to say this so my girlfriend can hear it. Uh, (laughs) I bought a fucking bidet and she won't let me fucking install it because it's gross. Uh, it washes I, the douche. I always, I will all ever since I bought that bidet because I had the bidet for like a good three months. It was installed, and I yeah. didn't put enough plumber's tape on it, so it started to leak. So mm-hmm. I had to just take it off, and I was like, I'm not fucking with this for a while. Um, but man, I've, you have those days where you just take the creamiest of shits, yeah. and you're and like. It's not one of those things where you're, you're wiping, you're wiping, you're wiping. You're like, God damn, like, like, what is this fucking marker down there? It's one of those yeah. things where you're just, just like, you're just essentially scraping with toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, it hurts. Shits, and then having water sprayed all over your ass, and just having that all go away. <laughs> so life changing. I don't know if you're a religious man, Sean, <laughs> but if there is a God, <laughs> he has done one of his greatest miracles with bestowing a bidet upon us <laughs> oh my god that's funny i've always heard people say that that it's amazing i lived in italy for f- four and a half years and i avoided that thing like a plague yeah, i looked at it i was like weird. oh it's weird to think about like water shooting up your butt like yeah. it's weird it's one like yeah. it was intimidating for me too until i had all of my friends go no nah, get it like like you will not regret it and i'm like okay and then, <laughs> we'll do it and it's that, that was another thing like of testing it to make mm-hmm. sure to test the pressure on it you're just firing water at your wall like because it's <laughs> shooting it's shooting out of yeah. the toilet and it's so powerful because it has to clean your ass because yeah. if it's just dribbling on your ass it's not going to get anything it is yeah. shooting and it, it if it hits the wall you're like all right it's working now so <laughs> It's high-powered enough, it's going to put a hole in that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I highly recommend a bidet. You can get one at Home Depot for $30. You can install it at home. I might have to do it. Well, I live in a military installation. I have to ask them permission first. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I I have to go to the housing department. Dude, this is how fucking crazy it is. I have to go to the housing department if I want to put up a deck in my backyard for my patio that has like a three or four foot drop. Yeah, that is that's that's weird. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not, 
I always hear about the military and how weird it is. My my buddy was in the army. My stepdad was a marine. Uh, my coworker was in the army. It's just military is weird. Military is weird. Uh, I uh, I this past Friday I got to talk to some active duty guys about some the like mental health and addiction and stuff. Mm-hmm. And man, uh, they were like, hey, we're going to invite you to do PT with us, physical training. And I was like, all right, cool. And they're like, we're going to play uh, Ultimate Frisbee. And I was like, all right, cool. I got up. Th- that was the first time I have ever been up at six since I've been medically retired. And I was like, well, outside of like podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm never doing that shit again. I, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't play Ultimate Frisbee, but afterwards they did paintball and all that stuff. And so I went out and talked to them then. And I was like, man, nothing has really changed. It's still as shitty as it was when I was in. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. It's not. It wasn't terrible. I had a good time, you know. When I was well, yeah, in, yeah, it's just, dumb well, shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, my stepdad was in the was in the Marines in the in the like the mid nineties, early to mid nineties, and then my coworker enlisted um, a couple years after nine eleven because he was still in high school when nine eleven happened, uh, and then uh, my drummer and my roommate at the time uh, joined the army right after high school because he didn't have anything to do like he was just like i don't know fuck it i'll just join the army i'll i want to i want to get out of i want to get out of town and kind of see the world and shit and he just got stuck in texas for four and a half years that's terrible yeah if it's if it's the base i'm thinking is absolutely terrible yeah it it seemed too bad um what 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 base are you thinking of uh fort hood Fort Hood, might be it. Is it Fort? Is Fort Branch down in uh, down in Texas too, or am I thinking of something else? You Fort Bragg? Nah, Fort Branch. Um, I don't oh, know Branch. Fort, yeah, huh. I don't know. Wow. I see Fort Branch a lot, but I don't know if that's just a town in Indiana or something, and I'm just confusing oh. it with shit. Because <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Mount Vernon, Illinois, does not have an actual mountain there. So <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's crazy. Yeah, no Fort Hood is is a different there's a lot of controversies that that surrounds that base i Um, so that's that's why that's so familiar because like don't people go missing at fort hood yep okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. people go missing there's there's a female soldier that was sexually assaulted and killed and they couldn't figure out who did it because they didn't want to put the investigation time into it and somebody somebody held the army accountable and they ended up finding finding out who it was and that person is in jail now Mm. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it it's it's absolutely insane, and and those stories are for another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can you can literally see them all over TikTok. I have a buddy. Um, his name is Josh Dad. Good guy. Uh, but have you heard of the story of Bo Bergdahl? It sounds familiar. Bo Bergdahl. He was a, he was a guy that walked off of off of the base in Afghanistan, got captured by the Taliban, pretty much sold all of our information to him. Hmm. I feel like I have heard that story. I'm just not super familiar with it. Okay. Well, my buddy Josh, he actually was in the same squad as that guy, hmm. and, and and was asleep when that happened, mere thirty feet, and so he's literally slowly opening the story and and talking about it, and and it's getting a lot of attention because certain people don't want that information to be out. Yeah, it's it's weird how like. You know, um, I think I think about that like 
every once in a while, just like not even just with military, because I, I know with military, there's a lot of hush hush and there's always been hush hush with the military. Always. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just I. I see a lot of this with people that aren't connected to military or politics or any sort of governmental body whatsoever. Uh, they like to speculate on on what is real and what is not. And they're convinced that this person's lying about this, this person is not lying about that. Um, I don't, because I don't know. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not there. I don't know what's going on which way or, or what. Uh, but I do like to think, like, what... With everything that of, of like what mass media is telling us, how much of that is true that everyone thinks it's fake, and how much of it is fake that everyone thinks it's true? Like and and like what are what are, what do we what do we not know? Like, yeah. Well, I, I do know. So I, one of my first interactions on TikTok was a video that I seen that had a had a train. And you might have seen other videos like this, but a train with military vehicles on it. Mm-hmm. And the guy behind the camera is commentating and he's saying, oh, look, new world order. The military is coming to take over our towns. And I had to I, I literally stitched it and I said, look, man, they're probably going to training. If you live in one of these states right here, they have to transport their vehicles on a train so they can get there so they can operate in training with those vehicles. I said, I said, if you think that they were going to take over, you would see them patrolling the street in those vehicles. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Holy shit. So I worked as a news reporter for four and a half years. Yeah. Small town news reporter. Like mm-hmm. small, small town news reporter. Um, it is April 2020. Mm-hmm. So like COVID just hit. Um, and everyone's still trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, in my town, there is a, there's an armory. Uh, and one morning we get like three or four panic phone calls because the armory is just packed with soldiers. Uh, uh, and I was, and everyone's freaking out. Like, they're like, like, they're going to start instituting martial law and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, my boss is like, go down there and see what's going on. And I was like, okay. I am the worst news reporter. And by that, I am not the type of guy to be like, excuse me, sir, you tell me what the hell's going on right now. I need to know. The people need to know. I, I walk up to a soldier. I'm like, um, who, can, I, uh, uh, can I talk to uh, your, uh, your CEO? Your, uh, can I talk to your C- CEO? And I'm like looking at a paper that my buddy wrote down, like ask him these questions. Like, can I, can I, can I see your CEO, please? And they're like, yeah, um, what's this about? I was like, well, um, there's a lot of people here and people are starting to wonder what's going on. And they're like, Oh, okay. Uh, just wait out here. Someone will be out to see you in a little bit. I'm like, okay. So I sit in my car for three fucking hours. And then I'm just like, I'm over here. I'm like calling my boss. Like, like, Hey, uh, you might want to have and do the noon. Cause I'm not going to be back. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, like, why? What's going on? I was like, I don't know. I'm sitting here waiting in my car. I'm just chilling right now. Uh, mm-hmm. and waiting for an answer. And literally the guy comes out and goes, oh, yeah, we're doing training. Uh, we're, we're all we're, we're just doing training. And then we're all shipping out uh, this afternoon to go somewhere else to train. I'm like, I fucking hate my life. <laughs> See, that's the one thing. That's the one thing prior to COVID. Nobody would have ever noticed that they were there. Yeah. 
it was only when the world got on alert and everybody started looking everywhere and seeing everything happening, trying to make things fit where they didn't really fit. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, it was the, the weirdest thing. Like the, it was, everyone has their own idea of what's going on in the world. I was on the scene of a murder. Um, I was on the scene. of a murder everybody knew it was a murder at the time uh it was just dead body reported in this area mm-hmm. so it was one of the most traumatic experiences i've ever experienced uh, i've ever had in my life because i drive there and when i tell you i'm in a small town news news station i mean i don't give a fuck i am wearing a bullet club shirt and camo pants like that is what i'm reporting the news in because it's radio and i'm not doing anything uh, yeah so i'm driving out to this uh to this report of a dead body i'm excited because i'm listening to all this true crime podcast i'm like hella into true crime before it's even cool and i'm like oh yeah here we fucking go man and i'm there before the police the police are screaming at me they're telling me to get out um get away this is an active situation um i'm like okay 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 uh the the parents of the of the of the deceased uh ended up coming up and i have to be right next to them when they find out that their son's been killed uh that was hard uh that was incredibly hard the probably the most annoying part of the day though was like i shut off the camera and i'm just kind of like gathering myself because this is not what i thought it was going to be like at all and this guy pulls up and he's like that guy down there dead and i'm like yeah yeah he's he's dead and he's like like I bet it was drugs because he doesn't know he doesn't know and i'm just like like, why do you think it's why do you think it's drugs and he's like like, i just know i know the guy uh i bet it's drugs and i'm telling you man donald trump and i was like (laughs) the second he says donald trump i'm just like in my head i'm just screaming this is not the time there is a dead body a hundred yards away from us why the yeah. fuck are you saying and Donald Trump he's gonna get that he's gonna get these drugs out of this country man he's gonna get these drugs out of this country uh, and all these Mexicans that are bringing in these drugs man he's gonna right. get them out I'm like there is a dead body yeah. I'm like, I'm like, like, good to know sir I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back to work now and it's, Jeez. and it's just like they see a dead body and they're like ah oh, I know why it happened and I know how it's gonna get fixed Jeez. Yeah. All while like parents are crying over with police, it's like this is wow. my guy. This is Jeez. not the time to be doing this. Good God! Yeah, yeah. Well, no, when when somebody like it used to when when I was in the or back before things started getting like real hush hush in the army, you would hear about a suicide literally minutes after it happened and the method and. And it was so like we went, I was coming in early one day and we were about, we were getting ready to go to the range or something. And somebody was like, check on your guys, make sure they're okay. I'm like, all right, well, I mean, I know that they're okay because they're right here. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> I was like, you know, why are we checking on our guys just now? Like, oh, there's suicide. Some guy took a, took a saw, which is squad automatic weapon. Mm-hmm. He put a, a barrel cleaner in, in the barrel and pulled the trigger and it went through his head. And I was like, I was like, "How the? When the fuck did this happen? Like last night?" He's like, "No, twenty minutes ago." I'm like, "How are you now? How are you finding out and relaying this to us?" Yeah, were you there? Uh, 
it was my um and a buddy of mine who was in the army. I don't know if he was it was my roommate. He told me this story about I I don't think he was I feel like he wouldn't have talked about this if he was there for it, but he heard about it. Because like you said, like spreads like wildfire. Um about a guy who uh about who committed suicide in the showers. And uh, the people that were there who were like, because this person did not know that there were people nearby um, uh, to hear what was going on, they could, after the gunshot, they could hear him choking. Uh, and in my head, I was like, damn, like, suicide probably isn't the quickest way out. Like, it is, it's, uh, it was, it was traumatic for me to hear. Like, I'm just like, it, I just sat there for like a good, like hour or two just thinking like damn like you think you like you think like this high powerful weapon will be able to just take it out like like you're good you're done you don't have to worry about it anymore and there's a good chance that that's not the case the brain still functions if it's attached to the stem and that's what people don't realize yeah i've always i've always told morbid morbid but i've always been told that it's better to kill yourself yeah. right here than it would yeah. be to kill yourself right here so yeah. yeah uh yeah i i don't know i had my attempt and i uh in 2018 and somebody was like why did you choose that method you could have done and i was like look man the method doesn't matter <laughs> uh, what i'm the here fuck? that's what matters. i'm here yeah i'm here i'm alive i'm well the method didn't matter uh whoever my higher power is put the engine block a few centimeters away from me instead of in me that's what matters yeah it's i'm here that's that's all i yeah i never had any attempts um but i had several thoughts in college of um my um my stepdad uh when i was, when I was living in the, uh with my mom and my stepdad at the time uh he kept a a shotgun uh right uh, right next to his bedroom door. And I always wondered, like, like, I wonder if that's, like, loaded. And the thought always came up of put it, like, like it, it was just morbid thoughts that would drive by, that would just come by, like, put it in your mouth. Yeah. Just put it in your mouth. You don't have to do anything, just put it in your mouth. That would always come up, but the thing that would, that was constantly there during my college years was hit that car like like mm-hmm. like just just drive just drift over and hit the car you're going yeah. 70 just just you don't have to worry about anything anymore and like the thought of the thought wasn't even like death like 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 death will be the end result it was you just don't have to worry about anything i know you're stressed about class i know you're stressed about school i know you're stressed about letting your mom down just drift over no one's gonna think about it no one's going to care that your grades are bad. No one's going to care that uh, that uh, that you're struggling. They're going to care that you just hurt some people because I'm not the only one getting hurt in that situation. Yeah. And they're going to care that you just crashed your car. That's what they're going to care about. Uh, this is your way out. You don't have to worry about school anymore. You don't have to worry about anything. This is just stripped over. It can all be done. Yeah. It was. Yeah. The- these and the the things that are hard to talk about like 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 that you know um i've never been once i mean 
up until I got into recovery, I'd never really talked about my feelings. I like to think I did. I'd say I'm fucking angry. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, that's me talking about my feelings. Um, but I had to go to my counselor and he's like, you know, let's talk about the things that suck. And I'm like, all right, you want to know what sucks? And he's like, what? I said, I have visions of physically hurting people. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I was like, last week I had a vision of me putting a hatchet, a, a fucking hatchet in my landlord's head because she pissed me off. And he was like, I said, that's not normal, is it? And he said, no, it's not. But thank you for talking about it. And I was like, yeah, please don't lock me up, dude. I, I promise I'm not going to kill or hurt anybody. I was like, it's just a vision and I can't control it. And he was like, no, you're right. You can't. And so, yeah, I'm 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 really glad that I'm not in jail, <laughs> in jail yeah, for this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. And this, those visions would happen all the time. Like, um, for me, I wouldn't. I very rarely did I ever envision like hurting somebody. Mm-hmm. Those thoughts have come up, and it's just like, ugh, let's not do that again. And shake it off. Shake it off. Don't worry about it. Like, let's not do that again. But the uh, the thing that would uh, constantly show up in my head was someone's gonna find you dead. Like, like that vision would always come in. I would be, I would envision myself because I lived with my grandmother for like six years. Uh, mm-hmm. It was me and my mom and my sister. We all lived with my grandma after my mom and my dad got divorced. My mom moved back in with her mom, and we all subsequently moved back in with, uh, moved in with her. So, I would think about we lived in, we had a, we had an unfinished basement because the house was 120 years old, and I. I would constantly think about my grandma coming down to do coming downstairs to do laundry, just find me hanging. Um, I would think about I went through a really, really, really rough time in 2018, like a good four or five months. We were just just bad. And I laid down on the floor in my living room because I got I would get off work at like three o'clock and my roommate would get home at six. And I would think to myself, like, does he know that I'm not okay right now? Yeah. Does, does he know this? And because I'm like, what if I laid down and just put my feet out from the from the from the living room uh, doorway? Mm-hmm. Would he think that I shot myself? Yeah. Like, like, would that thought cross his head? Would he be worried about me? Um. Because I, because I was just laying there. I just needed all of this, everything to go away. I needed everything to go away, and it was. I just needed. I wanted. I, I wanted someone to care, but I didn't know if anybody did. It yeah. was. I just. That's what I wanted, and it was. I think it was funny enough. The next day, I was in a. It was just like. It was a Friday, I think. Um, it was, if it wasn't the next day, it was like a couple days later. Um, that happened like during the week. And then that Saturday, I woke up one morning and I was feeling awful. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to, I didn't want to go back to sleep. I just wanted to just sink and just be away from the world. But I knew I couldn't because I had a wedding that day I had to go to. Yeah. Of course. Why wouldn't I have a wedding to go to? <laughs> and I woke up and we lived in this. My, me and my roommate were in this really. We lived. We rented this really old house. 
and old walls, old carpet, old everything, old feeling, old smelling. And I, I woke up, I was in a t-shirt and my underwear and I went to the living room and I just kind of sat down and the light was just shining in just right from the windows. And I had my PlayStation 2 hooked into the living room TV. And I was just like, okay, just play some video games. You know, get your mind off off of things. So I sat down and I started playing video games. I started playing PlayStation 2. And I think I was playing Spider-Man. Like Tobey yeah. Maguire's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And the light was hitting just right. Coming in, coming in from the window just right. It's coming in through the window, shining through the blinds, shining through the, the, the frilly shit that's, mm-hmm. that's next to the blinds, and hitting just right. And all that old PlayStation 2, like, like, like crunchy sounds that come through, it was just something was right. And then my roommate came downstairs, and he came into the living room, didn't say anything, didn't say, oh, what's up, dude? He just came in, sat down started watching me play video games and i beat the game because it's a short game i beat the game in silence and he was just right there next to me the entire time and i like looked at my phone and i was like i'm not going to this wedding like i'm not i'm not gonna go i text i wasn't even in the wedding i just like in my head i'm like i have to go to this wedding like when people invite you to a wedding you have to go and I texted the bride. I was like, yeah, I can't make it to your wedding. Turns out she was like, I would have not noticed if you were not there. Because not yeah. not to be mean, just like I'm a yeah. bride at a yeah. wedding. I'm not going to get to everybody. Yeah. And I I just texted her that. And uh, my buddy was like, you want breakfast? And I was like, yeah, sure. And we just played video games all day. I didn't, te- I didn't talk to anybody except for him for most of the day. And we just ate food. Not pig out, just like we just ate. Like, like oh, it's breakfast. Uh, pancakes and sausage. It's lunchtime. We had brats and whatever. And that's all I did. And it was literally the best, one of the best days of my life. Yeah. Because everything was just okay for just a little bit. And... I don't know if it was just the nostalgia feeling of being in your underwear in a t-shirt playing PlayStation 2 on a Saturday morning while the sun's just hitting just right. Yeah. Or if it was having someone there that wasn't like, hey, buddy, you okay? You let, like, up your ass about it. Because, like, when you're during those times, you're either really wanting to talk about it or you're just not wanting to talk about it. And at that point, I wasn't wanting to talk about it. I was just wanting to be with somebody but not surrounded by people like if you would have taken me to a bar i wouldn't have been able to to function i would have been like this is too much get me out of here yeah yeah it's it's being present in the moment you know Mm -hmm. and 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 just kind of in that environment and nothing else outside that environment matters i i get it completely understand that you know in, in my attempt i made 32 phone calls that day and i was like if one person picks up, I'm not going through with it. And, and and but I called all the wrong people, right? I called all the people that were like, "Hey, man, I'll ever be here if you need to talk to somebody." Mm-hmm. But they're out getting fucking hammer drunk, and so I'm sitting there and I'm I'm like calling these people. I'm like, nobody gives a damn about me, but I called all the wrong people. And so I had that thought in my head that like, 
nobody cares about me. I'm just another dude. I, I'm a literal face in a crowd, and, mm-hmm. and and if I remove myself from that crowd, you would never notice. And um, and so you know, after my attempt and all that stuff, I, I went and checked myself into a mental health facility, and and it was just something about that, like being around people who had that same fucking problem, mm-hmm. and, and 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 knowing knowing that somebody's not going to sit there and say it's going to be okay i don't want to hear that shit yeah because yeah. my life is terrible right now i'm going through a divorce i'm getting medically retired from the army i don't know what i'm doing with my life afterwards i don't have any family in alaska i'm literally alone and for somebody not to say it's going to be okay was great I don't need somebody to tell me that's going to be okay because fuck right now my brain isn't going to process that. My brain's going to be like, shut up. I don't want to hear your shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So getting into it real quick, uh, something that you didn't, that you didn't really talk about. You're, you're straight edge. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I put on my CM puncture just for the, just for the occasion. I, was <laughs> I seen like, that. I seen that. Um, so my, I started to realize that things were going wrong in my house when I was like eight. Mm-hmm. Like, cause my dad was, uh, my dad's always been a user. My dad told me like, I started making meth at 15, started doing it at 18, which doesn't compute to me. Yeah. Like how do you just start making it? And it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm not, I don't touch the stuff though. And then, yeah. and then, and then start doing it. I feel like that's the role should be reversed, but it is what it is. Um, my mom and dad were fighting a lot and I never knew what it was. I'm a loud person. My dad is a loud person. Um, and he would, it was just constant screaming matches. I would hear shit break. Um, and it was just like, a. my, my life was never like a movie. Like you always see shit in the movies about like, like, bad households where you're just sitting there scared trying to shut shut the world out whatever maybe that's what i was doing but that was just kind of normal for me like oh mom and dad are yelling at each other again playing some video games Mm -hmm. and ran i do remember just random times when i was younger and it just never computed with me uh that my uh my mom would just wake up wake me up in the middle of the night pick me up I'm like seven years old. Pick me up out of bed, take my take me and my sister and just drive off into the night, like four o'clock in the morning. I remember like like just like like sleepy eyed, like looking at the radio, just being like, yeah. "What the hell's going on?" All right, whatever, <laughs> and going back to bed. Yeah. And I remember my grandmother having a chain lock on her door for the longest time. I thought that was just like, "Oh, you're locking your door." Then my dad went to prison for a really long time, and suddenly that lock wasn't there anymore. Oh, wow. And um, it was I. This is this is one thing that I was gonna like make a TikTok about uh, because the way I tell these stories, I'm not telling them fun now, but I try to yeah. tell these stories fun um, because it is like otherwise it is like like hard to talk like it seems hard to talk about it's very easy for me to talk about these things mm-hmm. but it seems hard to talk about because of the nature of everything um my dad would constantly say they're coming they're coming they're coming and i'd be like mom what's he talking about and she's like your dad's just acting like he's in a movie don't worry about it i'm like oh okay um yeah. 
where I lived, I lived in in uh, in a trailer in woods. So like, the road would be up here, and my house would be down here. So we would have like this long driveway, and in the living room where a window sat, um, I could see when someone was coming down the driveway. And uh, but yeah, I could the window was so small for some reason that uh, I couldn't tell who it was. I remember I would, it was like. I was home home alone. I was like, oh, someone's coming down the driveway. I'm going to see who it is. And I walk outside, and it's a fucking cop. And he's like, well, hey, son, is your dad here? And I'm like, no. And she was like, be like, do you know where he is? No. He's like, well, if you, if when he comes home, feel free to give us a call. And I'm like, okay. I just completely forgot about it. I never called the cops after that. It was, was trying to protect my dad at all from damn pigs. I was just like, I'm going to go play video games now. Yeah. Um, my my dad would force me to stay up and learn how to sharpen a knife. This never occurred to me whenever I was seven or eight, but my mom would tell me, Zach, that was a Tuesday night and it was one o'clock in the morning. You were 7 a.m. You were, you were seven years old. You should not be up at one o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday on a school night yeah. learning how to sharpen a knife. And yeah. that just never compute with me. Um... Dad would uh, then take me to to places um, with to people with just one name, just one name. There's there's Rico and Jeremy, um, Rico, Rico and Jeremy, uh, and uh, and my I would just chill out in the living room at Rico's house with Jeremy. And my dad just be like, hang on, I'll, I'll be right back. And mm. just stay here. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I would... I'd be at home and my I, I knew everyone was home and I'd ask my mom. I'd be like, Why, what is... Uh, where's dad at? And she's like, oh, he's in the bedroom. He's crying. Don't go in there. I'm like, dad's crying? Why is, why, what's dad crying about? Uh, the two things that really, really set it off, though. That my two... Big stories. Three. I have three big stories. Four if you count the one I told on TikTok. Uh, so I remember I was sitting in my dad on my dad's bed. My mom in my dad's bed. And my dad threw a flip-flop at me. Just playfully. Just playfully threw a flip-flop at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm seven. I don't have motor skills, really. So I take the, I take it, the, the shoe, the flip-flop, and I throw it back. But I'm throwing it as hard as I can because I'm seven and I I don't know better. And the flip-flop just hits him. And he just grabs it and goes, oh, no, you fucking didn't. And then he pins me down by the neck and just starts whipping me with this this flip-flop. The only time my dad ever hit me. My dad never hit me. He always would do this Mm -hmm. uh, because his spanks hurt really, really hard. Like Mm -hmm. like parents would spank their kids. Um, And his spanks would hurt really hard. So he would just do yeah. this, and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to get spanked. Don't worry. I don't mm-hmm. want to get spanked. I'm, I'll be good now. And that was the one time he he actually hit me. And uh, my mom was just sitting there just stone-faced. And I would I was crying. I was like, why did he do that? And she just she would just look down and just be like, I don't know. I don't know. And I was, I was like, well, that's 
not fucking normal. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's uh, something not right about that. That's there's nothing right about that. Um, there was a story I told on TikTok. Um, I'll just do the the quick version. Uh, my dad, it was me and my dad home alone at the house. He uh, he was like, "You want to go look for some deer?" And we went outside. We uh, we found a deer. He shot at it. Got scared screamed bloody murder and told me to shut off all the lights in the house and shut the fuck up uh quotes by by my father and he uh we shut off all the lights in the house and uh we sat there for 15 minutes and he was like okay man i think we're good he turned on the lights and just starts watching tv like nothing happened i don't know how to question that yeah there's that um there's this happened after my big story um but uh i remember my dad my mom my dad separated at this point uh and my dad my mom brought me over to my dad's house and it's been a while since i seen my dad been a while since i've been in my own home and my mom and my dad are talking i'm not really paying attention and my dad goes i want to take him fishing and my mom's sitting there like you're not taking him fishing. And he's like, why the fuck not? It's right over the hill. Lake's right over the hill. I have the rods here. I want to take my fucking son fishing. And she goes, you are not taking him fishing. And he breaks the fishing rod and starts crying. I've never seen my dad cry before. Hmm. And he starts like, he's going, son of a bitch. I just want to take my fucking son fishing. Why the hell can I take my fucking son fishing me? Why? And he's just crying. And I'm like, like, my dad doesn't cry. What the fuck? And he, my mom leaves with my sister. She leaves me there. And my dad's just crying. And he's telling me that he wants a divorce. And I'm like, dad, you don't mean that. He's like, no, I want a fucking divorce. I can't take this anymore. All while he's crying. Yeah. That was really crazy for me um and then before that this is the big story my mom does not like talking about this story um my dad went on a uh my i'm i'm telling all this from the perspective of a seven-year-old because if you're here you know what's going on yeah um but my dad one day came home just screaming just screaming and breaking shit kicking my dad would wear steel-toed harley davidson boots my dad wanted to be a biker so fucking bad but he could never afford a motorcycle um he had he take his steel-toed boots was just kicking cabinet doors breaking shit um i had a i had like a like a sore throat at the time or something uh my mom had a dehumidifier or a humidifier she had a humidifier in the room uh and she he just just fucking punted it and just it just shattered everywhere, Jeez. water and plastic everywhere, wow. and he was screaming. And my mom, I went out into the kitchen because I'm just, I think this was my first ever disassociative episode. Uh, I think this is where I learned how to disassociate because my dad, this six foot three, six foot four behemoth of a man is just breaking shit all over the house and screaming. And I'm just sitting there like like this, just watching it all. Yeah. I'm I don't feel a thing. 
I'm not worried at all. And I go, I'm going to go out into the living room. Everyone's out there. Uh, we'll see what's going on. And in the kitchen, my mother is crouched down in the corner holding my baby sister, who's like one or two at the time, maybe. And she's bawling her eyes out. Um, terrified. Just absolutely terrified. And my dad's not touching her. Um, he's just breaking shit all over the house. And the thing, I will never forget this. The thing that went through my head at seven years old was, oh, this is like, this is like the movies. I better go over there and, and crouch down with my mom because that's where I'm supposed to be in this moment. It wasn't like, oh, I need to protect my mom. I need to, I was just like, in the movie, I'm supposed to be right there. Let me get into frame. And I just walk over to my mom, crouch down, and just watch my dad tear the house apart. My dad leaves, and my mom immediately grabs us, and we look, and we go. And I don't know if we ever came back after that, except for that one time when my dad was like, I want to take my son fishing. Yeah. Um, and that was all kind of like a weird thing. And I knew that wasn't normal. I knew that wasn't normal at seven years old. And I'm still watching wrestling like crazy. Wrestling, wrestling and PlayStation are my, are my two things and two favorite things in the world. And I, we, we moved in with my grandma and I was just like, you know, whatever. My mom, and my dad get a divorce. And in my head, I think my mom told, I think my mom told me they got a divorce for tax purposes. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, and my dad ended up going to prison. And I asked my mom why. And she told me at the time, oh, your dad took too many pills. Um, your dad, uh, your dad had has medicine, and he just took one too many, and they and he got in trouble for it. And I was like, "Oh, we'll make sure that Grandma doesn't give me more than two Tylenol." I don't, want, I don't want that to happen to me. She always gives me two Tylenol, never anymore. Listen, I get that third one, I'm a fucked. I'm fucked. <laughs> and that's what's going through my head, and I remember. I was like like nine or ten, and my mom. I was ten. I was ten because just did the TikTok that I was ten years old playing SmackDown versus Raw 2007. So I was like ten years old, and I asked my mom like, "Hey, what the hell? Like, why is Dad still gone? Like, uh -huh. he took one too many pills. Like, I, that's that doesn't seem normal. Like, he should be back by now." And my mom said, "Well, Zach, uh, you're." It's more than that. Um, your dad, your dad was doing drugs, and I was like, in my head, weed, because I, I learned about weed, and I was like, like what? And like he's just smoking too much or whatever, and she just goes meth, and I, I don't know what that is, yeah. And I'm just like, okay, um, sure, damn, all right then. That must be pretty bad if he's still gone by then. And then it all starts to click at 10 years old. I'm like, oh, okay. 
And I'm like, damn, that all sucks. And I'm like, like, this is fucking just crazy, weird, wild. And I see CM Punk on, on my TV screen because I'm still watching wrestling all of this. And I hear him go, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I'm straight edge. And I'm just like, I like that guy. <laughs> He's got long hair and tattoos, and he doesn't do drugs. Yeah. That's my guy. And everyone always like, yeah, Dean Malenko was my favorite growing up. Oh, I loved his wrestling skills. Nah, I like CM Punk because he had tattoos and he didn't do drugs. That was like, it's good enough for me. John Cena, CM Punk, those are my guys. Yeah. And that was my introduction into Straight Edge. Uh, and I, I claimed Edge from that point on, which I think is like cheating. Because I think in the punk community, which is where Straight Edge originated, um, I could go into a whole history of Straight Edge. But Straight Edge started in the 1980 uh, Washington, D.C. punk scene with the band Minor Threat. I don't know if you're familiar at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I learned all that later on uh, when, I wa- late, when I watched the CM Punk documentary eventually, which is where I lo- found out what true Straight Edge was. It wasn't just something yeah. that like, yeah, this is what I am on Straight Edge. Uh, it's a light. It's a lifestyle. It's a straight up lifestyle, and uh, that's where I found out it was a lifestyle. I, my mom, la- uh, we went to this like bar and grill one time, me and my mom, and I ordered a Dr Pepper and she ordered a beer, and the waitress didn't even think. She just like placed the drinks down. She gave me the beer, my mom the Dr Pepper, and mm. I just looked at the waitress. I was like, "Excuse me, ma'am, I'm straight." because <laughs> I didn't know what straight edge I was like mm-hmm. I am straight not straight edge I am straight which insinuated <laughs> to the bartender that excuse me I'm not drinking this gay shit <laughs> I'm a straight male give me the Dr. Pepper <laughs> um, give me the good shit give me the good shit <laughs> but yeah it wasn't until the CM Punk documentary came out that I learned it was an actual thing and by that time, all of my friends started smoking weed and started doing all that shit. And I was like, not for me, guys. I'm putting X's on my hand. This is why I started putting X's on my hand, started doing this everywhere. And, I mean, with the Summer of Punk ramping up, it was just like, like balls to the wall, straight edge. And I was uh, – I had – I was watching all my friends like just start to smoke weed i'm like guys that's not good you shouldn't be smoking weed you should be sober uh don't be drinking beer at at these parties that's not good i was i hung out with all the stoner kids and i was just the biggest like 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 i was the biggest (laughs) buzzkill it's been like guys you should be smoking weed that's not good you're like that angel you're like that angel on the on the shoulder saying you shouldn't do that didn't do that. I went. I went over to my buddy's house one time, and he had like a like a lemonade pitcher of beer just sitting out on the counter. He was like, "You want some?" And I was like, "I don't think I should be drinking that since I'm not 21." So, <laughs> damn, so, gave a whole extra. Yeah, I was, I was such a I was such a prick. Um, but it was uh, it went from my friends smoking weed to um, them bringing pills to school. And I didn't know what the pills were. And I just knew that they were, they turned into zombies with these pills. 
and I I was I was in a really just like I was so I was I just I was like like this is not normal this is like like they should not be doing this and on top of this this girl that I was crushing on really bad um, she was always really nice but she was sleeping all the time like she could not stay awake for the life of her uh, and it turned out that she was addicted to NyQuil like she would wow. just like she would wake up in the morning take two things of NyQuil uh, take two things of NyQuil at lunch and then take two things of NyQuil at home because she, she was she was depressed she didn't want to be awake and super straight edge superhero in me like had like a one like I ripped NyQuil out of her backpack and I threatened to th- flush him down the toilet because I didn't want her doing that anymore that like we got into a big fight about that um she eventually uh got better and stopped doing that but for a long time she you just she was never awake because just i i watched all that and and then one day at school i watched uh my buddy came into came to school late and everyone was like oh where's where's connor at and Connor eventually came to school just the stupidly drunk. Just mm-hmm. it, and I was like, what happened? Con- and Connor was a 5500 and maybe 20 pound guy. And my friend Brandon was uh was like, "Oh, he drank half a thing of Jack, dude." And I was like, I was like, "Oh shit. Okay. Um <laughs> wow." I was like, like, oh, let's see if his body can handle it. And he fell face first into Salisbury steak and mashed potatoes. And we're like, okay, let's take your let's let's take your tray up to uh and, and let's let's get out of here. Let's go back to our normal spot. Don't drop your tray, Connor. And he's holding it like this, and he stands up and immediately just lets everything fall over the floor. I'm like, okay, let's let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. We go to our normal hangout spot and he's like i'm gonna go to the bathroom guys and we're like okay whatever he goes to the bathroom and one of the teachers walks in obviously he knows what's going on yeah and my buddy comes out of the bathroom his hands are soaking wet and he's like mr twisky's in there mr twisky's in there we're like yeah we saw him walk in he's like i didn't get to dry my hands I didn't get to dry my hands. And he, like, starts trying to grab my friend's dick to dry his hands. And I was, like, it was so... I'm just watching this guy, like, fall apart. And he was, like, he was grabbed by the teacher. I was, like, hey, let's let's go. And he was suspended from school. Uh, I think he was borderline expelled. Like, he wasn't, he, he wasn't expelled, but it was, like, you're just watching this guy, like, do all that shit. And all in the meantime, you're watching all of your friends smoke K2 after school and then driving one of them home. And you're trying to make light of it by like, oh, I'm going to play Pink Floyd in the car. Haha, <laughs> don't trip out, bro. And you're trying to have fun with it while you're driving him home, but it's, it's a lot. And it's, this is all just kind of sitting with me like, this is why I don't do this shit. This is why I don't do this shit. And I got out of high school and i was like okay i'm done i don't have to be around it anymore i don't have to be around it well my girlfriend uh dad is also an addict um 
a, a horrible addict. And she was trying to rekindle her relationship with her dad's side of the family because they were estranged for, for a good 10 years. Um, yeah. And she's trying to rekindle that relationship at the time. So she's try- she's um, she's becoming friends with her sister for the first time. She's becoming friends with her brother for the first time. And her sister, we were probably like, she was probably like uh, 19 or 20. I was like 18, 19 at the time. And her sister was junior in high school, and her brother was uh, was fifth grade, maybe. Mm-hmm. And you know he's young, and he. This was like the, one of the saddest things ever. Um, so I'm watching. So we go over to uh, my girlfriend's dad's house, just to kind of like, hey, everybody, what's going on? And they are him and his wife are just out on methadone. They're just mm-hmm. out, 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 out. And we're like, hey, how's it going? And he like, huh? Oh, I forgot you guys were coming. Oh, man, I'm sleepy, man. And he takes a cigarette, um, puts it in backwards, and lights it. And he's like, oh, and like falls back asleep. And we're like, hey, let's all go outside. Let's all just kind of go outside. And we hung outside for a bit uh, for a couple hours. And we came back in and my girlfriend's brother was like, Dad, you promised you'd play Legos with me. Are we going to play Legos? And he was like, yeah, yeah, man, we're going to play. We're going to play Legos, man. We're going to play Legos. And he he pours out all of his Legos and they start building. And I don't notice, but uh, but. My girlfriend's dad just stops. Um, and I look at him and he's holding on him whatsoever. He is just sitting up like how I'm sitting up right now. There's no, mm-hmm. he's not leaning back or anything. He is just sitting up and he's holding two Lego pieces like this. And he's just, just mm-hmm. out, like dead asleep sitting up, holding two Lego pieces. Nothing is supporting him. He is just gone. And I look at my girlfriend's brother, who's like 9, 10 at the time, around the age that I was when I started finding out this shit, and I just see the look of hurt on his face. And I'm like, fuck. And my girlfriend's sister is like, hey, let's all go back outside. Let's all just kind of go back outside. We'll We'll hang out out there. And uh, my girlfriend's brother, we all just kind of sit down. And my girlfriend's brother uh, just starts bawling his eyes out. I'm like, like, hey, man, what's going on? And he's like, I just want my dad back. And I'm just like, fuck, man. Like, he knows what's going on. At 10 years old, like, I found out when I was 10, but I was out of the situation. I was completely yeah. removed from it. So that's all just kind of sitting there with me. And this is all just stewing. Just completely just stewing. 
and inside of me, just like I wish I could do something. I wish I really, really, really wish I could. And I just there's nothing I can do in that situation. I can't talk to anybody like about this. I mean, I can. I can talk to people about it, but I can't go up to him and like punch him in the face and be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Like, because you want to. You just yeah. want to take him and just shake him and be like, look at your son. He's outside bawling his eyes out. He knows what you're fucking doing. He's not stupid. And this is all, this made me incredibly, incredibly bitter towards any sort of, all of this stuff just made me incredibly bitter towards any sort of substance. I would refuse to go to bars. And if I did end up at bars, I would be visibly uncomfortable. I would make it very aware that I was uncomfortable yeah. with everything around me. Like, I, I didn't want to be there, and I chose to go. Um, yeah. And my friends would be smoking pot. And it went from, like, guys, you shouldn't be smoking pot to, no, you shouldn't be smoking pot, dude. Like, fucking get yourself together. Mm-hmm. And it just made me so bitter about everything. And there's a lot of straight edge people um, who are who are still like that, uh, who are just like like fucking drugs and everything are bad. Keep that shit around me. No one should be doing them. To each his own. I will I will probably if I don't know you and you're like yeah I do heroin on the weekends. I would like to shake you and be like what the fuck is wrong with you? But if you drink, you smoke weed. Um, who am I to tell you that you can't do that? Like, I'm at that place now where I'm just like, you know, whatever. I have plenty of friends who are stoners. And I'm just like, you know, it's whatever. But yeah. I do take I do take my straight edge incredibly seriously to the point where if I have a headache, I would rather take a nap than take an Advil. Because I don't want to go down that same route. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's because that's the one thing I'm always afraid of with everything that's been going on as uh, as the son of an addict is that everything I do, I think about because I don't want to go down that same road. And I've always told my, my mom and my, my girlfriend, I'm like, I don't want to end up like my dad. And they're like, Zach, you, you are renting your own place. You have never asked your mother for money. You have never asked anybody for money. Why do you think you're going to end up like that? It's like, because I'm not dead yet. This There's I could potential. There's always that potential. I don't want to end up like this at all. And I need to keep it that way. I need to keep, I need to stay true to myself, true till death. I need to, and that's, that's one thing that I struggle with a lot uh, mentally is I constantly feel like a failure all the time. Um, and cause I know for, I know for a fact I'm not going to stray to drugs. I'm not going to stray to alcohol. I have two tattoos on me that says I can't. And if I and if, and if I start smoking or drinking, I'm a fucking poser. And I can't be a fucking poser. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's more to being what you don't want to be than just smoking or drinking. I don't want to ask for money ever. Not because that's the like, not because I want to be financially independent. I do. I don't want to end up like my dad. I don't want to, I want to have a nice place to live, not because I want to be comfortable, but because I don't want to live in a pigsty surrounded by cigarette filled Sprite cans. Uh, And I don't want to put anybody else through that. 
I suffer from anger issues. I've spent a good four years watching my dad just tear the house apart every weekend. I don't want to put anybody through that. So I put a lot of stress on myself mentally, feeling like a failure if I ever do feel like I need to ask somebody for money or I ever do need to do this or I do or if I do let my anger go a bit too far where it's just that's that's what fucks with me mentally on top of all of it being the son of an addict watching that not only do I not want to do any of the drugs do, uh, do any of the alcohol I need to be above it in all ways well, and, you have you have a better understanding of some things than most people do. You have an understanding of the genetic disposition you're in. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one thing that I learned a lot of because um, I, I tried doing counseling in, in high school because I was a sad little emo kid, and I was like, I need to tell somebody I'm sad all the time, and they would ask me, they're like, like, oh, do you use anything? I'm like, no, I don't. They're like, oh, do, you, do your parents? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, you know, you're gen- genetically more likely to fall into that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's always in my head uh-huh. that, you know, it's cool. If, it's cool if I take an Advil. If I have a headache. I'm just going to take an Advil. I'm going to take an aspirin. Uh, I still have that headache. I'm going to take another. Yeah. I'm going to take another. I'm going to take another. And I don't want to fall into that. Yeah. And it's, I would, uh, that's that's kind of like my big my big deal when it comes to straight edge now is and I don't I don't tell anybody to be straight edge but it's that's that's the trueness to me of I need to not do it ever like that's that's kind of where I am and to the point where I like get angry whenever I see like it's per I see like because the conversation of should drugs be decriminalized across the across the world? Um, Absolutely not. I, yeah, me personally, I don't think so. Are there like, do I think people need to be spending years in jail for for marijuana charges? No, I do not. But we're playing a danger. Like everyone always likes to look at Portugal because Portugal was one of the first countries to uh, to decriminalize drugs, and they're like, look how much it's helped Portugal. I was like, there are people still fucking addicted to heroin in Portugal. They could just go to work addicted to heroin now and no one's going to tell them otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and it's just such a... I don't have the answer. I'm not going to act like I do. But to me, the answer is not supplying heroin to heroin addicts just so they can go about their day. Do I think that there needs to be treatment for addicts whenever they come out of prison? Because I think that's one thing that struggled, that my dad struggled with. Uh, he would get out of prison and now he's like, now what do I do? Uh-huh. Like, I guess I'll go work in the factory again. I'm going to be around the same people again. And where, where am I going to end up back where I was? I think there needs to be something like that, but having a place for heroin addicts to get their heroin safely. Sure. Uh, maybe to detox, but if you're just going to say, Hey, Mary, Here's your daily dose of heroin. Don't go overboard. I don't I don't think it's going to work. No. And I don't know. I feel like no. someone someone who has been in a so quote unquote system would know better than I would because I'm only an outside looking in. I can only learn so much. If I ever I, I can't go anywhere 
and try to find the cons to decriminalizing drugs. Yeah. But I think that's not because there are no cons, but I think that's because no one wants to talk about the cons of it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There so so there's there's reentry centers um that are geared toward helping um people with substance abuse disorders um to enter into society get for, well one get their treatment that they need so it's like a holistic treatment where they where they treat the uh the addiction and they also treat the mental health disorder while rehabilitating them in society and 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 pulling them away from those people places and things that that bring them back to where they were but the problem is is the aftercare after after you've gotten to that point where you're like okay i've sustained this amount of sobriety on my own without it being mandated what do i do now and there's nobody checking up on you there's nobody saying hey dude are you okay or there's no phone calls there there's no numbers to be had to say hey um i'm having a bad day i'm thinking about relapsing what's up and 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 i don't know if it's the mindset of the program where they're like okay this person presents to be okay we'll release them or if, if they say we've served our purpose, now it's time for them to figure it out. Um, I know in my program, um, the way that I I do it. So I, I ended up going to therapeutic court, um, which is a which is um, a a treatment court that that specifically designates treating people with substance abuse disorders. So I went to veteran veterans court where it's all veterans, Every, veterans and, and charges range from DUIs to assaults to to everything but they they treat the substance abuse disorder because nine chances out of ten the person coming into it has a substance abuse disorder which is why they did what they did i know mine was mine was a substance abuse fueled charge i got an assault charge um and so when i graduated i kind of felt like i was floating because there's no aftercare and i had to physically be like what can i do to stay engaged because if i don't stay engaged i'm probably going to end up back where i'm at and so I had to reach out and say, what can I do to get engaged? And, and I do a process group for veterans twice a week, every week. Um, and, and I've been doing that for almost three years now. And, and, and that helps me. And, and I, I stick with my 12-step programs. Um, you know, I, I reach out to veterans. I do this. Like, this isn't therapy for me, but it's good to hear that I'm not alone. You know, to mm -hmm. feel like I'm not alone. And, and I and I love doing it. And I I speak at at a panel that's called a victims impact panel. I actually did it on Monday, and it's for people that have first time DUIs. And so I speak at that, and I I share my story, and, and I talk to to those people that are in some trouble, but their life isn't ruined yet. Because I know what it's like when life is ruined, and you have to claw, claw your way back out of that hole. So. I talk to them and, and and share my story in hopes that they'll that something will click, and that they'll they'll do that. So, there's a lot of aftercare that that is there, but it's not advocated for. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do is advocate for that aftercare and say, hey, look, like you you you're, you're graduated your program and you think you're okay, and then if you get to that point where you feel like you're not okay, like we're here, I'm here, let's figure this shit out. And I think that's that would help a lot of people because. I mean, the people that I've seen enter a rehab program uh, that are still using, they just, you know, like you said, they just get out and we're like, okay, I'm clean now. And now they have to deal with being clean and back in the whole world of just like, okay, now I'm clean. Let's, if I 
if I fall back down, am I going to be able to get back up? Yeah. And I think that's the one thing. And I think another another thing, the issue I've seen is I won't I won't say what it is because I still technically interact with them. But there is a there is a coalition that I'm a part of uh, that is focused on helping the youth of my area stay off of substance abuse and, uh, and alcohol use because there is an issue. Um, at one point um, where I live was the top uh, was the top county in Indiana uh, or, or the tri-state for alcohol sales because you can just come here and buy alcohol on certain on certain or whatever I think for a long time we had we didn't have dry Sundays so people would come in here to drop, buy alcohol and then they would go back home uh, we had dry Sundays then for a really long time but we would work on that uh, and we would we would advocate for that we would you know have have booths up at things my biggest issue with it though was these people that are there are not first or second hand experienced like at most they're a counselor at a at the county jail and they speak with these people but i don't know if they know and that's just like maybe one or two people on this 25 member coalition the rest is just people around town trying to add shit to their resume and in my head i'm just like okay you're obviously here because you care a little bit but do you Mm -hmm. care about how the community looks or do you care about the people in the community yeah because yeah we know kids in our area have a drug problem we know kids in our area have an alcohol problem what are we doing besides just telling parents like here's where to look for the kids drugs and alcohol in their room hey kids don't do drugs like there was a fucking failure for a reason um all stars was a failure for a reason you can tell kids all day like kids don't do drugs this is what will happen to your lungs this is your brain this is your brain on drugs like you can do that all day until you have a experience a true blue experience with substance it's not going to do anything i i guess like it's in the the idea of if you help one you've you've done your job if you help one person you've done your job and i'm not against school speaking uh one of the best schools one of the best school uh seminars i've ever seen uh was i think this guy's name was tim white uh but he came to the school i know Tim White. yeah Yeah. so he came to the school and he told his story and he didn't bullshit around he was like i gave my son heroin now he's dead because of my heroin and i was a millionaire now i'm not because of heroin and it wasn't just he didn't bullshit around he told the story and maybe that clicked with somebody in the crowd and said, oh, shit, that could be me because I'm going down that same road. And I get but it's hard to I guess like it's hard to take it seriously, though, 
because I've been there, I've been in the crowds, but I was also a different kid where any time a speaker did come and they had a traumatic story to tell, I did sit there and listen. Um, but I know kids aren't. They, uh, I, I remember I, I, I got to film this. I don't know if this was, he, uh, um, I think Tim White like brought like a kid up like in front of everybody. It was like, let's say your friend had six beers last night. What are you going to do? And he was like, ha, ha, ha. he was like, oh, you think it's funny? Give me 10 pushups right now. And the kid laughed. He was like, no, I'm serious. You think that's funny? Give me 10 pushups right now. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, all right, cool. This guy's not fucking around. No. Um, I really liked his speech, but it, like part of me is just like, it's hard to, I try to like brainstorm things with this coalition of like, because I could go to the big, like, because one thing that I that I did with the coalition and with my job was talk to kids. I mean, you can sit here and you can talk to kids, but when you talk to them, mm-hmm. that's when they will like level with you a little bit. Talking I did to some, them, not at them. Yeah, and you have to show that you're not there to get them in trouble. That was one. Th- uh, I did a. Uh, before before vapes and jewels were like a big controversy across America, I was a little ahead of the curve. Uh, I went to every single school in my area, every single high school in my school in my area, and I randomly picked kids at lunch. I got a hundred kids from each school, which was a small sample size because you had a thousand kids at one school, five hundred kids at one school, and three hundred kids at two two other schools. Mm-hmm. But I got a hundred from each school and i said do you vape no okay and i moved on and i went do you vape and some people would be like why do you ask i'm like i don't i'm just here taking information and they're like you with the school i'm like i'm not with the school my hair's down my shirt's untucked and i'm saying fuck to you right now mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not with the school right now i don't give a fuck what these guys are talking about i just want to know if you vape or not do you vape yes what do you vape with do you vape with a jewel? Do you vape with the big fucking cloud makers? Do you just have a pen? What is it? Oh, a jewel? Okay, thank you. And they, there was one kid who told me no. And then he saw me talking with other kids, just not being like, hey, kids, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And don't do this. I was just taking down information. He was like, oh, so you're not with the school. I'm like, no, I'm not taking down names. I'm not taking pictures. And he just went, oh, change my DS. And I wish there was a way for me to go to kids and just say, like, go at the kid. It's being free to get out of the room. Like, yeah. like the next 10 minutes, get out of the room. And then figure it out from yeah. there and say, now answer. Well, I think it's because kids see an adult, they see an authority figure mm-hmm. or somebody who presents as an th- authority figure. And they're like, oh, shit. I can't be honest. Well, if you're not honest, then we you can't have the help. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, it's ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, you know, um, I can I can completely relate to a lot of what you talked about. You know, from from the perspective of of being kind of that that parent that was that was was like you know your 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 girlfriend's um, dad. You know, I I. My my wife used to make excuses for me when I was drunk, and I would be in bed, and I'd promise the kids I'd take him to the park. Oh, Dad's not feeling well. You know, he's just tired. He worked a lot. 
when I went to jail, they, my wife told all of my kids to include my biological daughter. Uh, your, your dad had to take a business trip. He'll be back. And then me being in jail a month and then being gone from the house because I was in therapeutic court and I wasn't allowed to come home for seven, eight months. Yeah. I, I, I ended up coming home and I, and I said, guys, I was in jail. Like I told him straight up, I, I took accountability for it. I said I was in jail. I've done some pretty shitty things. I was a, not the best person, but I promise you that person that was here is not the same person that you see now, and, and it hasn't. And, and nothing about that has changed. Um, nothing about that sentiment. And so I understand where you're coming from, and, and I understand where, where you're coming from when you were talking about your mom, you know, making excuses for your dad for the way that, you know, for what why he was gone or or why you know things that were happening. And she was trying to protect you from that, mm-hmm. and, and and I'm glad that she did. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that she's not like a lot of the mothers now. That's like your dad's just a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, and there were a lot of times like that. That did happen a couple times. I remember, <laughs> um, I uh, I drove past my, um, we uh, so, funny enough, where I live, the movie theaters is right across the street from the county jail. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were going to the movies one day, and my mom was was upset at my dad i don't know why but uh she drove past the we drove past the movie theater and we we're like everyone say hi dad and i was like what the fuck and oh she, man and she was like she's like sorry 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 like we all knew he was there i was just like yeah. mom that was a little uncalled for she's like you're right i'm sorry but she there were times where she she did pull that car but she was never like she never told me my dad was a piece of shit yeah. My she was like your dad was a shitty dad and I was like well yeah anybody could told yeah. said that but yeah um. fun funny story about jails mm-hmm. and locations so uh, I pull into Jiffy Lube I'm my wife and I are, are about to get the oil changed and I go inside and I'm about to pay for it this guy comes you know behind me and he's like hey have you seen that picture before and it just says Anchorage welcomes you and I'm like yeah I have quite a bit and he was like. Do you know what that building is behind that sign? And I was like, no. He's like, that's the jail. I was like, no, it's not. Like, like don't fucking play with me. Dude, no shit. Like, I, every time I pass that, it is the jail. Hmm. It is the jail. And I'm like, holy shit. So you're welcome to go to jail. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's crazy, man. It, it's, it's madness. And um, I, I just want to say, man, I, I'm super proud of you. I'm really proud am. of you, too. Like, Thanks. like it, it's, it's, uh, it takes a lot to pull yourself out of that hole. Um, because it's, and it's hard to, I, I'll even say it's hard to keep yourself from going down that hole. I mean, I think I can only think of one time where I thought, is, am I truly straight edge? Like, like, am I going to live my entire life not doing this? Because I was at, weirdly enough, I ran into like three straight edge people on the Indies that were just not straight edge anymore. And they're like, yeah, that was a phase I grew out of it around the around 23, 24. And I was like, I'm fucking 25. Like, is it is it going to come to a point where I'm just like, I don't fucking need this anymore? And then if there's a God, he gave me a sign. I went to an Angels and Airwaves concert and there was a drunk girl like physically hanging off my shoulder to stay up. And I was like, yeah, nah, this ain't for me. <laughs> I, I feel like we get signs when we need them the most. You know, yeah, like I, I'm Norse pagan, and uh, I don't believe in the monotheistic version of God, 
but I don't condemn anybody who does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I was questioning, you know, I, I I drove from North Carolina up to Alaska. That was fucking. That's crazy. a long drive. Yeah, dude, it was like eleven days, and uh, so I'm pulling up to the 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 border of of Alaska and Canada, and and I was like, man, I don't know if this whole heathen thing is for me. This whole Norse pagan thing is for me. And as soon as I pull into the into Alaska, there's ravens everywhere. And if you know anything about like Norse mythology, ravens oh. are a sign of ravens are a sign of Odin. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's not normal. Yeah. And then and then very recently, within the last few months, I was like, you know, I don't know if this is what I still believe in. I need something concrete. And I'm driving down, going to my massage therapy, and. I know when I say massage therapy, people are gonna be like, "Oh, haha, happy ending." That's not what it's about. I no, no, no. Spine. My 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 immediate thought was like, "Oh, yeah, he's gonna go like work his back out, and someone's gonna fix it." Yeah, yeah. I ha- I have a complete flat spine, so yeah. all the muscles pull everywhere, and so they kind of help me to loosen up the muscles. But it's an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like driving, and I get to a stoplight, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I believe. If this is what I believe, I need something concrete. And I look over, and sure enough, just like before, there's a raven on the side of the road. But it's not just a raven there. The raven was looking straight ahead, and then it turned and stared at me. I was like... I have had... Okay. I've had one instance of that in my life. Hmm. One instance. So I would always accuse my mom of favoriting my sister over me. Uh, and there was always some truth to that. Uh, my sister was was the younger sibling. My sister was deaf. Uh, my sister was born with a slew of medical problems. Um, she's fine now, but a uh, slew of medical problems, deaf, and, uh, and the youngest. So everybody went to her. And I would always tell my mom, I was like, you just, you love Chloe more than me. You just love Chloe more than me. It's just simple as that. And... It was raining and it was it was supper time. We were all sitting down for supper. My mom, uh, it's raining outside. And my mom goes, you're right, Zach. I do love Chloe more than you. Immediately, thunder, loud as can be, the lights in the entire house go off and they come back on. And and my mom just, my mom just grabs me and goes, I'm, I was joking. I was joking. I was joking. Jeez. Yeah, I'll, that's, that's the one time in my I'm agnostic. So, like, yeah. in my head, I'm just like, when I die, if there's something out there, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. whatever yeah. created this crazy fucked up universe <laughs> created it and or didn't create it or whatever, wherever we're living, nothing I can do about it. So the Matrix. Yeah. If I we're die gonna... and I just wake up like, <gasps> like, that'd be... <laughs> I think that would fuck with me more than an afterlife. <laughs> yeah. 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 That would, that would be insane to like wake up and you're getting unplugged out of, out of a system and you're like, my whole life was a lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, That's crazy. But I, I want to say, I, I want to say, man, I am super proud of you, um, and, and I'm proud of you not just for being straight edge, um, but I'm proud of you for advocating for people and and for for you know doing outreach and, and reaching out to people and, and trying to keep them from from letting their life spiral out of control based mm-hmm. off of your experiences with your dad, man. That's huge. Yeah, that really is, man. I appreciate and, and, that. 
you're doing a lot of good work. You really are. And and uh, I might not always agree with some of the things you say on TikTok. No one does. Hey, if, no. if, we all, if we all agreed on the same thing, life wouldn't be fun. Yeah, I find myself disagreeing with more people on TikTok than I have ever disagreed with people in my life. But that's why it's there. It's social media, and we're allowed to have a voice and, and talk about some of those things and just yeah. say, yeah. yeah. But, uh, man, thanks for hanging out with me for like this two hours, dude. I know you yeah, got to yeah, pack. No I know you got to pack. You got a big-ass concert tomorrow. To I, go got, to, I, got a, I got a big-ass weekend ahead of me. Um, yeah, you do. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely been fun. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And thank you for agreeing to do this, man. Um, you know, I, I reach out to people on TikTok. I say, hey, I had this this recovery podcast. I've had two two or three people be like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm like, okay, cool. Give me your availability. They tell me. I said it. Everything. Send the link out. And I'm just sitting here like this. I was, I, I've always, I, I thought about messaging you because I was like, like, man, I'm in Walmart. I got to get home. Like, I got yeah. home and I, like, dropped the groceries off. I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, "Put these away. I gotta go." <laughs> and then, uh, then you, then I sat here. I was like, "Okay, cool. Maybe he thinks I'm on Central Time because I was here at seven. Yeah. And I was oh, like, okay. I was like, "Okay, uh, he might think it's Central. I'm on Central Time, and I'm not. So uh, maybe it's at eight o'clock." So I went back out there, and I was just talking to her for a bit. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have salad for supper. You can order whatever. I'm gonna." And then I like peek in, and then I see her sitting there. I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> I thought you were on Central Time, yeah. So um, no, 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 yeah. I, I'm insanely close uh, to to the border. Uh, yeah. Like I said, the 30 minute drive to Santa Claus, uh, Indiana. There's a uh, there's a amusement park there, Holiday World and Splash and Safari. If you are on one half of the park, you're on Eastern Time. If you're on the other half of the park, you're on Central Time. Your phone will fuck you. Wow. so bad like you have to be aware of what side of the park you're on or your phone will go nuts because your girlfriend's phone and because you know iphones or whatever they don't change right away so you'll be sitting there and you'll be like oh yeah it's five o'clock and the, uh, we still got two hours till the park closes mm -hmm. and then your girlfriend will be like are you sure because mine says six o'clock and it says we have one hour till the park closes and i'm like oh shit so <laughs> Wow, I'm very, yeah. I'm pretty close to the central, uh, the central Eastern time deal. Okay. I'm technically on Eastern though. Yeah. I always, I always try to make it so that, so that, you know, I'm accommodating to people. So yeah, when, when, when I saw that, I was like, oh, he's on central time, but my bad. No, no, but, no, no worries. But no worries. yeah, I, I had a blast. I had so much fun. Um, thank you for being here. Absolutely. And, thank you for having me. And guys, everybody, thank you for watching for this two hours. You actually hold the record for the longest episode I've ever had. Everybody. Everybody <laughs> that has me on. I, I, I didn't warn you. I didn't warn you. I should have. I always warn everybody. I'm like, I will be your longest episode. I just want you to know that. I will be. And they're like, they're like, yeah, I've had some pretty long episodes. I'm like, no, 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 no. I will be your longest episode. I think the only podcast I've been on that I haven't been their longest episode was uh was the wrestling cheers podcast i was on mm -hmm. for almost two hours and they've had a three-hour podcast before so nice. that was the that was the one where i was like damn i didn't i didn't get it but you you gonna be on pandas i uh i haven't been invited so i'm not going to i'm not gonna be over here like hey let me on your podcast but yeah. you know okay. if he invites me on he invites me on if he doesn't he doesn't it's just what it is do you want to be on? I'll put a good word in for you. <laughs>
I mean, hey, it doesn't matter to me. I'm always, I'm always up to talk. It just depends on how my schedule works out. Gotcha, gotcha. Alrighty, alrighty. I got, I have my process group in an hour, so I gotta relax and I want to try and catch some main event of dynamite before it yeah. goes off TV. Oh shit! It is Wednesday, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. All, All right, right, y'all. Be good, y'all. Uh, thank you for hanging out. Until next time. Much love.